Lord, I pray that you will be with our pastor as he gets ready to share what you have laid on his heart with us. Lord, I pray that you will be with us, that you will that you will help us listen, that you will help us pay attention to those struggles that we've had this week, that you will help us put those aside for the, for the next several moments as we listen to Pastor Steve. Lord, I pray that we will be encouraged in some way this morning. Lord, I pray we will be challenged in some way. Lord, I pray that we will be very open to those opportunities that you will give us in the week ahead to walk out the challenges that you lay on our heart this morning. Lord, I thank you for great worship, for great fellowship. And Lord, I pray that the next several moments will be all about you. Lord, I just pray all of this in your Son's most mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are coming close to wrapping up a series uh, this week and next week. Uh, we're going to wrap up a series uh, that we've been doing called Everyday Gospel. We've been talking about the gospel from an everyday perspective. How we can share our faith with those around us. And really what we've done is focused on a couple of things. We took our memory verse that we were working on for uh, a month. Um, anybody remember what it was? Not the new one. Anybody remember what our memory verse was last month? Matthew 28. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. 18, 19, and 20. Anybody feel brave? Tell me what that said. Oh, come on, don't tell me you forgot it in a week. Y'all did such a great job last week. Matthew 28. Yes. All power in heaven and earth. So, so, so what does that do for us? What are we doing with it? Jesus came to them and said, I have been given all power in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them as the commandments, and I will be with you always, lo, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus said, I have all authority. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's that's the gospel message that we're going to be talking about for the rest of our days. Is this message of hope that Jesus has given? It's a message that we take so for granted. We in the church, but in the world around us, in the nations. Those that don't know Him. That's a foreign message. They may have heard of Jesus. They may know about church. They may know the Christmas story from an from a acknowledgement kind of standpoint. Yeah, um, God came down in a manger and there was a baby and Santa Claus and some elves. And they put it all together. And, and they may know about Easter. Yeah, oh yeah, that's about the resurrection and Easter bunnies that lay eggs. You know, I mean, but that's the message that the world knows. What we know is that God in heaven 
so loved mankind that he stepped out of heaven and took on flesh and lived a perfect, sinless life on our behalf and sacrificially gave up his life on a cross to die for us in our place and for all those that put our faith and trust in that gift. Eternal life is bestowed to us. That's the message of the gospel. Well, what we've been doing is we've been preaching through that concept. Mark, Pastor Mark preached three weeks on those three verses. And I've preached three weeks on the thoughts kind of behind why we need to know that. The first week we talked about the fact that God had a perfect design for humanity, for mankind. He created him, put him in a garden, cared for him, loved him, provided for everything he needed, and walked and talked with God and man every day. And we can't even really get our minds around that, can we? Can you get your mind around being able to walk in the presence of God and having an audible conversation with Him? Well, what a, I mean, I mean, to know that God just going to show up, you know, three or four in the afternoon in the cool of the evening, and He's going to walk with you for a while. Well, we have that same presence today. The Holy Spirit of God lives within us, those of us that are born again. And He walks with us and He talks with us. But that was His design. The perfect design that God and man would fellowship together forever. But Adam and Eve, the first two created, departed from God's design. The Bible calls that departure sin. They willfully chose themselves something else other than obedience to God. The, the story, the example is, there's a tree over there. You can have everything else in the garden. Don't eat from that tree. So what's the one tree they run to and stand under? You know, look at. And, they, and Eve was deceived by the serpent. Satan. She took the fruit and Adam, not deceived, willfully chose Eve and the fruit over God. And mankind was plunged into death. The penalty, God said, was to be death. Not only death to this life, but spiritual death, separation from me. The fellowship had been broken. We see that when God comes down looking for Adam and Eve. They're hiding from God instead of waiting to talk with Him. This, this departure from God's design, this sin, leads to brokenness. That's what we talked about the second Brokenness. Anybody understand brokenness in your own life? Anybody understand what it means to have a broken life? The heartache and the hurt and the feeling of failure and the regret and the misery and the pain. And, and, and we try to mask it with all kinds of things. You know, we, we, we try to fill it in with something else. We, we try to make it better with a band-aid. Some sad. It's not going to help. I, I, I laugh. I have this condition in my skin. I don't know what it is, but cold weather hits and my 
my fingers split and get that kind of cold everything. And I got those little itty bitty tiny little cracks. You know how bad that hurts? Man, you talk about a wimp. I am such a windy little I got three of those and I can just throbbing up here right now. I feel like I'm dying with this little itty bitty. But that's exactly what that incision in my soul was like. It hurt. And I tried to do everything I could to make it right. And I couldn't find anything to fix it. But God already had a plan. God made a way. The great thing about brokenness, and I want you to hear this because I think this is important. I, I believe there's some people sitting here today that are fighting brokenness in their life. Either you don't know God at all, you haven't got a relationship with Him, you're not in fellowship with Him, or you have been in fellowship with Him, but your life has got some <coughs> brokenness in it. You're not in fellowship right now. And, and I don't say that because somebody's here today that hasn't been here recently or because I know something specific. Here, that's just a reality. You put a group of people in a room and that's a truth. As a matter of fact, most of the time you can just put yourself in the room by yourself and make that same statement. Because there's some brokenness in my life. There's some things in my life that, that need to be fixed still today. And here's the great thing about brokenness. When things get all get messed up and when we feel broken and we feel, we feel hurt and we feel angry and we feel <coughs> devastated by life, it forces us, it causes us to think about God. Think about how it can change because we know we can't change it. So the brokenness drives us to find what we need. The good news is that God has made a way out of brokenness. That's what I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes today about. God has made a way out of brokenness. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, which is where we spent part of this whole com conversation that I've been having for several weeks with us, as we talked about all that, that sin brought about, uh, we talked about the, the curse of sin and, and, the, and the penalty of sin, the brokenness of man and the penalty that came from it to the women, to, to the world, to the woman, to the to the snake, to the to mankind. But in verse 15, I'm going to give you some context. He's talking to um, to Adam here in verse 12. He says, To the man, he said, The woman you put here, or, or Adam said, The woman you put here gave me the fruit from that tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said, Woman, what have you done? She said, the snake tricked me, so I ate the fruit. So the Lord God said, the snake, you did this very bad thing, so bad things will happen to you. It will be worse for you than any other animal. You must crawl on your belly and eat the dust all the days of your life. So you've got the little scenario here of, of man, woman, snake, snake, serpent, being Satan. And here is a promise that God makes. This is the first promise in all of Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that gives us some insight that God is going to send a Redeemer. I want you to listen to me. I will make you, God, I will make you, Satan, the serpent, and the woman enemies to each other. 
Your children and her children will be, be enemies. Humanity, Satan, you will be enemies. You will bite her child's foot. You'll bite the foot. You, you'll cause a wound. Really talking to the child of a woman. Let me just give you a little, little doctrine here. Don't want to be too detailed. We've got children in here. But, but when a child is born, when a child is born, medically speaking, a child is born of man. It's man that makes the difference. It's, it's the, not that women are the important part, but it's the male part that fertilizes the egg. Creates the life. This is the woman's child. Jesus Christ doesn't have a male father. He is God as his father. The only man ever born human from a woman without a man is Jesus Christ. You will bite his heel. You'll cause a wound. But he, he will crush your head. Satan, there's one coming. His name is Jesus. You'll cause a wound. He'll die. And he'll raise again in three days. And he will crush your head forever. Your power will be taken. That's the promise. Amen. Amen, Miss Jamie. That's the promise of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. John 3.16 tells us that. We know that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him put your hope and trust in that. Will what? Will not perish. But have everlasting life. That's the, the mirror verse here. You're seeing that. The truth of it. So God's way out of brokenness is this gospel message. This hope of Jesus. This truth that, that man is separated from God and broken by sin and, and there's nothing that they can do to fix that brokenness. And the only thing that's going to give us a healing, a spiritual healing for that is the salve of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do on our own. Because otherwise we're bitten and we will perish. But if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and what He did, we'll have eternal life and hope in Christ. So the gospel message, very simply, is that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried God raised him up again from the dead as proof that the sacrifice had been accepted. If you want to follow along, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If not, I would at least advise you to write this down. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-3. If you ever want to know how to explain the gospel to somebody, what the gospel is, this particular set of verses tells you clearly this is the gospel. 
First Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. Now, brothers and sisters, all talking to the church at Corinth, I want you to remember the good news or the gospel. That's what the word good news means. I told you. I want you to remember the gospel I told you. You received the good news, the gospel message, and you continue to base your life on it. Boy, what a great part of that verse. I love the way this one reads that. You're continuing to base your life on this gospel message. The gospel, the good news, the message you heard from me is God's way to save you. What does it mean to need to be saved? What it, what, why do we use that term? Why does Scripture use that term saved? What, what, what am I being saved from? Am I going to get thrown in a mud hole somewhere? Is there going to be a pit I can't get out? The pit of the, the wrath of Almighty God on sin. I am saved from the penalty that God is going to place on everyone that does not put their faith and trust in me. And I love humanity, for God so loved the whole world. But if they do not follow, they will suffer the wrath. That's what it means to be saved. He said to this gospel message that you heard from me, it's God's way to save you. You must continue believing. If you don't, you believe for nothing. I gave you this message that I received. I told you the most important truths. Here's what I want you to hear. Christ, here's the most important truth I told you. Christ died for our sins, as the Scriptures say. That He was buried and raised up to life on the third day, as the Scriptures say. And He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve apostles. After that, Christ appeared to more than 500 other believers at the same time. Most of them are still living today, but some have died. Then He appeared to James and later, later, to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me. I was different, like a baby born before a normal time. Paul saying, the most important thing you need to know is that Jesus Christ died for your sin, according to the scripture. And that he was raised again on the third day. As a proof that God had accepted his payment. Romans, the book of Romans, we were talking about that in our, in our uh, study this morning for just a moment. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul talking to the church of Rome says, I am proud of the good news or the gospel because it is the power God uses to save everyone who believes. To save the Jew first and now to save those who are not Jews, the Gentiles. Everyone that is born again is born again by the message of the gospel. If you're not born again by the message of the gospel, you're not born again. Now, and that's not me being mean or hard. That's not me against the Muslim religion or the, the Buddhist religion or, or even the Jewish religion. That's me telling you that God's got a plan. He's got a way of restoring what was broken. And everyone must follow Him. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. Jesus alone. 
So how do we get saved? What does it mean? How do we do that? What, what is it that causes us to, to come to this place? Mark chapter 1, verse number 15. John is, Jesus is talking, he's beginning his work, and, and, and he's been talking about John the Baptist, and as he's going around, verse 14 says, John was put in prison, and Jesus went into Galilee and told people the good news from God, that same word gospel, he told people the gospel news from God. And here's what he said. The right time is now here. God's kingdom is very near. Change your hearts and lives and believe the gospel. Most versions, if it's not a contemporary version, don't have change your lives. It has a word, biblical word called repent. You've heard that word repent. You may never have known what that word repent meant. Repent means to change your heart and your life. We were talking this morning about Isaiah, the Old Testament. And the adults were talking. And, and there was a correlation between the heart and the way you live. See, I don't have to judge you. I can sit and talk to you for a few minutes and you can start to tell me about how you're living your life or I can watch how you're living your life and I'll tell you where your heart is. That's not a judgment. That's just a reality. Where your heart is, that is where your behavior is. Where your behavior is is where your heart is. Change your heart, it will change your life. You can tell me all day long, I trust my life to God. I believe in God. I follow God. If your walk, your work, your life doesn't present that, then you're lying to yourself, not me. Because your heart hasn't changed. When your heart changes, your life will change. And you know how I know that? Because I've had to battle that all the days of my Christian walk. When my heart gets off track, this honey goes in places it shouldn't ought to go. It does things it shouldn't ought to do. It says things it shouldn't ought to say. This carrying case is controlled by its heart. Repent. Turn your heart to God and your life will follow. So, how, how, do, you, how do you become saved? You repent. You turn. You change. And you believe the gospel. What is the gospel? The message that Jesus came down from heaven. God in the flesh to the earth. That He lived a perfect sinless life. That He died for your sin and for mine. That He was buried and that three days later He rose again as a perfect testimony from God that He was accepted. That's the gospel. When I repent, when I turn from my way and I put my faith and trust in His way, then I am saved from God's wrath. 
So, why, why is that such a struggle? See, here, here's what you need to understand. This pastor wants that for you, but you know who wants it more? God. God wants it more than all of us combined together. John chapter 3. We were talking about John 3.16. Everybody can, not everybody, but most people can quote John 3.16. Can you quote 17, 18, 19, 20? <laughs> yeah, they're important. You need, yeah, you need, hey, you need to understand how important 17, 18, 19, and 20 are. Yeah, yeah, you, you got it, Miss Lena. See, God so loved the only... So the love of the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God sent, here's 17, God sent His Son into the world. He did not send Him in the world to judge the world guilty, but to save the world through Him. He could have sent Jesus down to judge us guilty because we were, we are. But He sent Him to save the world. People who believe in God's Son are not judged guilty. But, but, oh, I hate when there's a but. But, people who do not believe are already judged because they have not believed in God's Son. They are judged by this fact. The light has come into the world, but they did not want light. They wanted darkness because they're doing evil deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Let me ask you a question. Look at your life. Ask yourself some honest questions today. What does your life look like? How is your behavior? It will tell you where your heart is. Change your heart. Change your life. That's God's desire. God's desire is today that you would turn your heart to Him. The back of this connection card is three, three comments. I'd ask you today to think about these. The first one is I, follow, I commit to follow Jesus in all my life for the first time today. Maybe today you're here and you have never repented Change your heart. Change your life. <clears throat> committed to follow God. Committed your life to Him. To do it His way. To live for Him. To believe that He is the only hope that you have. If you haven't, it's a simple process of saying to God, God, I agree with you. I confess. That's what confess means in Scripture. I agree with you. You're right. I'm wrong. I confess to you that I'm wrong. <coughs> I believe that you are the only way of salvation. The only hope to save me from God's wrath. And I give my life to you to follow you. If you've never done that today, if you'll do that in your heart, You'll pray that prayer in your heart. God will save you.
here today, now. If you do that, would you just check that box off? I'd like to pray for you. I'd probably reach out to you and talk to you about it. I think for most in this room, number two is a reality. I recognize I have not fully followed Jesus. And I recommit myself to follow Him fully today. I can't tell you how many times I've done this in my life. I've come to a place of brokenness. I'm His child. I've been born again. But I've wandered off. And I need to stop. I need to get back where I was. I need to recommit myself. So let me ask you, believer, follower of Christ, look at your heart. Look at your life. How are your actions? Are you committed to follow Christ in your actions? What do they tell you about your heart? If you're a believer and follower of Jesus today, you can't walk this way long. You can't walk outside of that long. Holy Spirit loves you too much. He's going to prod. He's going to speak. He's going to encourage. And then He's going to discipline. And Scripture goes on to say, for a believer, if you go far enough, he will end your life rather than to continue to let you go and sin. Will you turn back to Him today? Will you admit that you're struggling? And that you want to follow Him fully today? If so, check that. And this last one, I'm going to hold on to for a second. Because i got a little video I want us to watch. It's just two or three minutes. Won't be long. Today is a very special day in the world. You may not even be aware of it. I've had some stuff on the counter out there on the table. I haven't said anything about it really. It's a day of praying for persecuted Christians around the world. There are people all around the world today that are followers of Jesus. They can't meet like we're meeting. They're suffering under persecution, real persecution. Not somebody saying, hey, I don't like the way you vote. Or don't go to church. I mean, they're the kind of persecution that, that can get you killed. It's been that way forever. It could be that way here one day. The question is, what will you do with your faith? There's a new movie coming out. In fact, it's playing tonight, or tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, at the Butler Plaza Theater in Gainesville and the AMC Theater in Orange Park. Both of those places are playing 7 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. It's put on by Voice of the Martyrs. It is a really classy film. It's uh, about a gentleman and his wife who lived through World War II as Christians. They were Jews, but they were believers. This is a little preview of the, the, the movie, but it's also got some thoughts that I want to share with you today. Ben, if you play that.
1940, Nazi forces invaded Richard and Sabina Wurmbrand's home country, Romania. There were no safe spaces for Jews. And though Christian, Richard and Sabina were ethnic Jews. Christians during World War II had a choice. Lay low and hope the worst passed them by. Or get involved and be the hands and feet of Christ. All at great personal risk. Choosing to give up their comfort and safety in this world, 
in order to find a life that counts for eternity. The first request from our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters is, will you pray for me? As we pray for them to endure opposition in order to advance the gospel, may we be inspired by their example to pay any price necessary in obedience to Christ. says I will commit to share my faith in Jesus and the gospel message. I think we need to stop playing church and start being the gospel. Father, thank you. You could have left me in my sin. There's absolutely no reason that you should love me. Except that you do. Because that was in your heart Forgive me for saying in my heart that I love you and living out a life of inaction for the gospel. From this day forward, may we commit ourselves to the message of hope. Regardless of the cost. May you receive glory and honor and praise. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior.